Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. podcast it's been a while but you know how we do um i'm joined this week by viral sensation <laughs> raj baines how you doing mate yeah i'm not too bad yourself uh, you can't be saying viral sensation in this climate because it makes me sound like a fucking disease getting... that's true that's true i think that, yeah the word viral has taken on a, a whole new meaning in the past year are you shaming me already is that it? are you kicking off are you telling me to check my non-viral privilege privilege yeah, yeah. well it's just because you, you know you this power trip of suddenly being the host again after the last episode <laughs> and just making you start with all these slurs after i went all soft and everything like that you gotta like you know yeah, just too sentimental you've yeah. gone the other way again show me out to be the gammon that i actually am <laughs> which yeah, doesn't take much for the master slip yeah. Uh, to be fair, um, after that tweet, I thought I was going to like rattle a few more gammons, because you know people are idiots and they automatically assume that a joke is fact. Yeah. Um, to be fair, most people just actually took it in the spirit in which it was intended, which has been a pleasant surprise. Did you? Uh, that's that's because that's always refreshing. Yeah. But did you get any of the? What I would say sometimes even more annoying: the people that try to analyze your tweet, like which is a joke, a flippant joke on a level of like, well, what was he supposed to do in that position? Could he have passed to Cavani with blood? And you're like, mate, <laughs> it, it, it ain't that deep, you know? Um, I've had one Tory bot that tried telling me that um, <laughs> Marcus Rashford should pay for kids' dinners out of his own pocket. All right. Um, he, I mean, we, he does earn money, after all, yeah, so, you know. Um, yeah, that's not the job of the government, apparently. No, no. Um, so that's the only one where I've kind of been like, oh, that's a bit fucking weird. But obviously, because you can just tell it's a bot because his name's like Clive six seven nine eight hundred four five six, and you're just like, oh. With a Union Jack emoji, perhaps, for yeah, posterity. I'm looking like an absolute nonce in his picture. Um, and then, um, but mainly, it, the tweet seems to have banged most in Nigeria. So I think I'm fucking huge in Lagos now. Um, but there's a few of them who'll be like laughing and then they'll go, oh no, but really, like Marcus, can you please pass the ball next time? And that, a couple of them maybe like made the assumption that I'm a Manchester United fan, even though, you know, there's my entire timeline is tweets about Tottenham and my header picture now is that photo of Gareth Bale putting the armband on Ledley King. Like, it couldn't be more obvious where my loyalties lie. <laughs> uh, but no. The uh, the tweet has uh, has banged. It's been a, a while since I've had a banger, but it's it's nice when it happens, isn't it? Yeah, there you go, mate. It's nice, nice little ego stroke, isn't it? You know. Oh yeah, yeah. Just remind people, you know, banter still there. The best thing for me <laughs> about it, as well, is that um, with my like close group of mates and everything, I'm the one that does like the dad jokes and stuff because I think I'm the one that's sort of settled down the quickest and sort of you know just. 
Um, I'm the oldest one out of all of us as well, not by much. We're all in the same school year, but I am the oldest, so I'm de facto a big brother as well. So I'm the I'm the target as to because I'm sort of the most settled. They'll they'll call me the boring one and stuff. And I, to be honest, these days I'll, I'll happily take it because I, I probably am. But they are like, how the fuck have you done this when you, your banter's shitter than ours? I'm funnier than you, and I only get fucking four likes on Twitter and all that sort of stuff. And I'm kind of just sat there laughing at them because it's like it doesn't actually mean anything really in the grand scheme of things but the fact that they're sat there rattled going oh the fuck has Raj done this it just makes it all the sweeter doesn't it yeah it's nice it's nice so anyway let's actually talk about Tottenham it shows you how good we've fucking been that we've talked about tweets and fucking shite rather than actually the fucking mate it's the, it's the world in which we live do you know what I mean mm. get get with it granddad yeah you know like I don't know what do we have to talk about Tottenham yeah I know we've won Right, we beat we beat Sheffield United three one. I mean, I think uh, Roy Keane. I've I've got to say, like, yeah, I'm not. I tell you what, we could do, Jack. Instead, do you remember when we used to talk about TV? Instead, I tell you what, I want to tell you about. Have you watched the 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 Night Stalker on Netflix yet? I started watching it, but let's actually save this to the end. I reckon. (laughs) You should. Yeah, yeah, I think we should. I just want to alienate people from the top. Yeah. It's not. It's not. It's not usually the best tactic to get people to listen to your Tottenham podcast, though, is it? Right. Oh, when does that ever stop to us? That's true. That's true. No, right, but, we'll leave it till end. Well, three-one Sheffield United, as Roy Keane said. You know, people will say Sheffield is a tough place to go, but it's not. You know, we should have won that, shouldn't we? In I mean, the city centre is, but Bramall Lane isn't. <laughs> anything less than winning that would have been unacceptable you would imagine if we could yeah massively so especially after the Fulham one yeah um and Dombele that goal unreal are you uh you you fully on the Ndombele train now I think we were we were already on the Ndombele train last season we just wanted him to actually get played but yeah he's he's been unreal this season I think we've both said you know he's up there with Kane and Sonners that there are three main guys really yeah um Sneakily, Eric Dyer's probably in there now, and Hugo, that's our spine, probably. Uh, Hugo, Dyer, uh, Tangy, and, uh, well, Hoybier as well, probably, as well in there. But he's definitely one of our, our standout and headline players, and, and he deserves to be. He's absolutely fantastic. And that goal just sort of encapsulates everything that makes him great. It was sort of. He definitely meant it, didn't he? Definitely oh, 100%. 100%. It. It's not a fucking. Soonest is on a madness gets... saying, like, he was. Well, Soonest yeah. didn't like the flare black player, Jack. Oh, yeah. I am shocked. Yeah, fair, fair. Imagine my surprise. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> to quote the great Paul Joseph Watson. Uh, fucking cunt, Paul Joseph Watson. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, it encapsulates everything that makes him great. It's sort of off the cuff. Flair. Nobody else would have really tried it or thought about it in the uh, in, in that moment, and it, it was just sort of tangy in, in one little moment, and just the happiness enjoying his face. He's got this little cherub of a face, and I, I just kind of want to give him a hug. And he, he's yeah, he's great, and he just seems really happy with himself, and sort of happy in the team, and you know, just to be playing and everything. And he completed 90 minutes for once as well, didn't he? Yeah, big, big that as well. Yeah, so um, he's, yeah, he's, 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 uh, he's massive. He's, he's, um, let's build a team around players like him and, and Harry and Sonny because Sonny's new contract can't be far away now. Well, we've just launched, that's it, a career. South Twitter, Korean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's can... a surprise on the way. Yeah, right. 
Where do you think his best position is, though, Ndombele? Where do you, where do you want to see him operate most? Because it, it seems to be still the kind of talking point as to, you know, should he be playing further forward? Should he be playing kind of in a more anchoring role alongside Hoybier? Kind of maybe feeding an Eriksen-type player as opposed to being perhaps the Eriksen-type player? I think that kind of reduces how good he is to try and pigeonhole him. I think he's good enough to play both positions. And Mourinho's little rant, I kind of agree with him in that some players are good enough they can play anyway. I think Harry Kane's proved that this year. I think when you know, when Gareth Bale was at his best and we used to sing he plays on the left and then AVB put him down the middle, kind of proved that he, he can fucking play from anywhere. And then, what, his best years at Real Madrid came down the right as well, didn't they? So yeah. when they are good, they can play anywhere. But... Um, I prefer him deeper, but I just think it's his engine at the minute that, that's stopping him from playing there full-time because he needs to do a bit more muck um, if he's going to play a bit deeper and, and mop up a bit more. And, and he, he's not adverse to that. He's still tracking back a, little more, a lot more than he was. He's he's the first one when like um, a player's about to have a long shot to go out and try and close him down and everything. And, and, and in that time, that um, that side of his game has, has massively improved. He just he needs to be able to string together a few 90, mo- 90 minutes back-to-back sort of a thing. Um, and I would prefer him to play in time to become a, almost a Modric-Dembele hybrid is what he could be, mm. um, which I, I kind of like the sign of now that I've said it out loud. But I think that's the, the type of player he can be because he's got... His passing is a lot more incisive and expressive than Moussa Dembele's ever was because Tangy will move the ball faster than the Moussa ever did. Because what Moose's great skill was, was picking up loose balls, reading situations, ushering people off the ball and then just gliding with it. And Tangy can do that, but he's a little less elegant. And, and that, that's not a, a knock on him because Katrata can you know, be more elegant than Moose Dembele is, is you know, nigh on impossible. Uh, but he's got that ability to drive, which is better from deep. But it, this, the speed at which he plays forward passes and sees things is so unique and so rare that that's his real skill is just just the, the, the pace at which his brain works because he does he can look lethargic and sort of his body and everything and there's sometimes when he's dribbling you think oh he's, he's dribbled himself into a corner and then you know he's he's slipped past two players by just dropping his shoulder and there's just there's so much nuance as to what he does that he can play in various positions, but to you know make a long answer short, I'd, I'd prefer him deeper in time and then hopefully slip somebody else just in front of him. But that doesn't mean that the person in front of him becomes the main creator. It just means that we get an extra creative player in the team. I mean, there's obviously this talk about Ericsson potentially coming back and... I, I, yeah, I, it, at the moment it just seems to be speculation, so I don't really want to waste too much energy going in on that one. But whilst we still have a player like Deli Ali on the books for you know however long, there's still that part of me that feels like he could play. Because what I will say is I'll I'll, I'll draw my line in the sand in that I personally I don't feel that what we've seen so far anyway. I'm not saying it would never work. But I don't really feel like Lichelso and Ndombele particularly complement one another. I, I like seeing them rotate between the two. I think they kind of they're very different players. I don't think they're extremely different, but I think they are different players. But I think they occupy 
a similar position. They have a similar function within our team, which is to essentially carry the ball and release. Um, Do you not remember when this happened with Ericsson and Ali, though, when, you know, we were at the sort of the, the peak of desk? Um, mm. and, and what Poch started to do, which I hated at the start and then suddenly made sense, was he, he started playing Ericsson like wide right, but Ericsson never yeah. really actually played there. That was just his just where he drifted to create space and him and Ali had swap and create space for each other in a nightmare for defences because they didn't know, you know who was going to carry the ball and, and where it was coming from. And I actually think against teams like Fulham, like Sheffield United, teams where, quite honestly, I tweeted this at the time and, and it's one of those things where, where people will say it and then they'll say, oh, no disrespect, but disrespect fully intended given the type of club and, and what the of aspirations of Tottenham you know, are trying to be. We want to win we, the league, essentially. Yeah, we should be treating Fulham and Sheffield United with the same amount of respect that we paid Marine. And that is, we're turning up here, whether it's at your home or ours, we're going to beat you by two or three, and we're going to do it by getting out of first gear on occasion. And that is the way we should approach those games. We shouldn't be playing Moussa Sissoko against Fulham at home because he's a fantastic player. When we've got this run coming up now where it's Liverpool at home and Chelsea away and stuff, yeah, Moussa Sissoko in there, fantastic. He's going to do the hard yards. He's he's going to help Hoybier. He's going to put a platform on there for Kane and Son and, and uh, Bergwijn or whoever else. It, it's, it's not to do the dog whistle thing, I guarantee, but we need his physicality. Like, we do. It's just his, his work rate and, and yeah. everything he does is... He he does them sort of unflinchingly, and and there's not many players who would do that type of work within the team and do it so well, and not be asked about it. And he just seems to be happy with it because if you remember when he came in at Newcastle, he was like a flair player. I think he's got it was mad, wasn't it? We had that mad performance against Chelsea. Chelsea where if you yeah, actually yeah, watch it back now, you think, what the fuck? This was yeah. Sissoko, you know? Yeah. And it's he's weirdly similar to Moussa Dembele in that if you watch his old highlights from when he was young, he was he was an attacking midfielder, goal scorer, and all that sort of stuff. He was actually a striker at first as well, and then he moved back, and that's the same thing that's happened with Sissoko. And it's just we need to stop being so fearful against shit teams, and we need to actually just know they're shit. Mm. And I think we've said it before, and that there's there's less you know shit teams in the Premier League than there used to be, but. You don't get this from City or, or Liverpool or anyone else. Like They don't go into those games going like, oh, we need to be careful of Fulham at home. They, they just fucking go for it. And yeah, they will occasionally drop points. It happens. It's a sport. Well, it's football, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you, that doesn't mean that you, you should go in guarded. You just... We just... We need to pick our battles more, I think, is 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 the thing. Like... There is no issue in us playing the type of football we play against City at home, against Liverpool away. That's absolutely fantastic. And we've got almost got the right results from them. That Liverpool last header, you know, pretty much sullied the start of the season and then created the, the Fulham loss afterwards. And we went on a bit of a shitter after that, which is understandable because they're still humans. I mean, they, they should bounce back a bit quicker than they did. It did, because it's interesting you touched on that, because I sort of have been. Looking back, but and this is kind of one of my more, you know, whatever, just an, an opinion I have based on nothing other than like a hunch. But it ha- it has felt that since that Liverpool, you know, defeat, there's almost been a bit of a sulk around the team that they're like, oh, well, we're not good enough to win the league, so fuck it, kind oh, of. Oh, they had their bubble you know? burst, well and truly. You know, and it, it's yeah. and it's that, and I think that's probably kind of one of the things that I will. 
portion blame to Mourinho, but I don't give it all to him. I think no, no, no. I, I, we'll get on to Mourinho in a bit because Kane had some interesting thoughts on him yesterday after the game. But just to sort of stay on this theme a little bit more, we have been, I guess, pretty poor, if you were to say, the past few weeks. However, we've still stayed in contention. So that's surely the fact that we kind of know now we have another gear we can kick into. There's got to be promise there, right? When you're kind of looking at the fact that, right, you know, we've gone to Molyneux, whatever, you know, West Brom have gone there, they've, whatever, they've won, but we can't really compare too much. A draw away at Molyneux is not too bad, really, in the grand scheme of things. We've beaten Leeds, who on another day could have, potentially beaten us or cause some sort of an upset there was a nagging fear about a team like Leeds they're always an enigma and we've come through a game which you know whether Roy Keane says it's tough or not I kind of agree with him that it shouldn't be a tough fixture as we've said at the top but still we've gone away to Bramwell Lane apparently a, a team that we haven't beaten in the league away from home for Christ knows how many years. I don't think we've been in the league that often with them. Exactly. Though. I think it's a bit of a misnomer, but still, yeah. you know, we can we can take from it the past couple of years anyway. We've seen us slip up there a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, we've put them to bed, and now we do have a next league fixture in Liverpool, which feels like quite a good time to be playing them. We're sort of meeting in the middle again in the Liverpool are kind of... You know, they're not really clicking in attack at the moment. They haven't scored for three games in a, like consecutively now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we are still defensively fairly solid, albeit prone to lapses. Um, you the defence would... is weird because we don't. We don't seem to have settled on a defence. Like we, we like there's times where we've had like a, a decent run of having Toby and Eric at the back, and obviously we'll swap fullbacks around, and that's fine depending on who we're playing and and what have you. Because Reggie can't play every game playing the way he does, and neither can Aria, and that's why we've got Doherty and Davies so that they can rotate and actually stay fresh. But the weird thing at the back, like Rodon coming in and Sanchez playing the odd game now after seemingly like he'd fall out of favour for a while, like. I don't understand where this chopping and changing at the back is coming from. I'm, I'm just interested to know, because I do agree, but I'm also just interested to know how much that is a product of the circumstances of this season. You know, okay. it, it might, maybe, I don't know, you know, simply that we're yeah, seeing Yeah, Toby is getting few, on, so yeah, you don't seen, want to run him into the ground. We're seeing quite a few teams sort of chop and change. I didn't, I, I mean, I'm seeing, you know, there were quite a few, I think it was uh, Jack Pitbrook, of the Athletic Parish saying yesterday that he thinks Joe Roden is or is potentially very soon going to be Tottenham's best centre back, but I'm not. I, I mean, I, I I didn't really see he he was solid enough yesterday, but mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sort of keeping it in my pants on him for a while, aren't you? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, he's he's really raw, and sort of there's a there's a couple of times where his position and stuff needs to be sorted out, but he's got all the sort of the tools to be really good. He's really quick. He, he is, of... isn't he? He is surprisingly quick as well because yeah. he's a lump. Yeah, yeah. But I think he's one of those where he's just got long legs and, and big strides and stuff and he can... Some of those defenders are deceptively quick. Like, they're not going to be good over a long like period, like a, a long distance, but over sort of 10, 15 yards at the back, they can, they can shift. 
Um, so that's decent. He's got a decent sort of, he will add anything and he'll put his body in the line anywhere. And that's kind of what you want, especially from a Mourinho defender. And it's just sort of, but my only thing with him and Dyer at the back is, are they, are they a bit samey? Like, uh, can they play, can they both play football enough? I know both of them have played in midfield and, and Eric is a bit, uh, you know, fancies himself as a ball playing centre back, but, you know, how that comes off in reality, I'm not so sure. sure. And they could be a good partnership, but it's just, it's one of those where it feels a bit weird to swap your centre back partners in the middle of the season, but you know, I'll leave one area in which you can't really kick up a fuss with Mourinho is the defence. So if he wants to do what he's doing back there, he can do it. I think the fact that we're still, you know, paper talk or not, there seems to be still quite a bit of a smoke around us being linked with different centre backs would suggest, wouldn't it, that it's it's an area in which Mourinho is actively looking to still recruit, that it's a work in progress. But I can't really see us bringing in a significant centre-back until Sanchez has probably moved on. Because you'd imagine that's that that's the player that's got the most value attached to him that we would be most willing to let go, right? Yeah, cause, and he's the one that needs to be playing the most football at the minute as well. Um, I think as we talked about maybe at the end of last season when we went through the entire squad... I think he, he, if he gets the right move, his career could be benefited. But again, he's one of them where, in a similar way, like John Stones fashion, if he just catches yep. the right runner form in our team, they could be, you know, not stopping him either. So it's a gamble. They certainly seem to be after a defender. Um, who knows what that's about? You know, it could be that you know Toby's body's telling him that your know, Premier League's too much for him now, and he needs to have a not not quite a. Dembele type move where he's gone to China, but maybe a a Yan type move where he goes to Belgium or or was, uh, Portugal or something, or, or goes back to Ajax or something where he can actually, you know, rest up, play Champions League football still, and and extend his career. I was hoping you were going to, uh, yeah, sort of drop into a bit of R. Kelly there, mate, when you were. We don't about... talk about R. Kelly anymore. <laughs> oh yeah, true. Yeah, that's uh, probably. Well, look, I, t- I told you already, mate, the gammon's coming out of me. You know what I mean, <laughs> can't say anything these days. Um, so... well, you can't piss on kids or anything. Yeah, I know. It's, a, it's, it's an outrage, isn't it? <laughs> oh, dear God. Oh, I don't even want to. Oh. Um, so, do, yeah, with that in mind, um, because it was sort of building up to it before, um, do you still see Spurs, even if it's just by default, should we say, with a shoo-in, not shoo-in, but a shot at the title? I think it would be, if we were any other team in the country, we'd be saying, yeah, because you're four points behind the leaders. But to be quite honest with you, Jack, I think City are going to fucking romp it now. They're going to, I think they'll walk it quite I easily. don't know if they've got the goals. I don't know, I honestly, I, I think that... They scored four goals yeah. last night. <laughs> I know, I know, but that, I mean, like we said, yeah, that can happen, but... To be honest, to this point, they haven't really been scoring many goals at all. Aguero's crocked. Jesus is, you know, Brazilian Jermaine Defoe. Yeah, but the, you know Although that's a bad example. When... Defoe scores a lot of goals. So. When they're purring, like, they don't actually score goals that are like hard to score. They literally walk the ball in the goal. De Bruyne will cut it back. Some fullback will get over and they'll zip it across. See, somebody do, do, do you know, this, this, is, this is exactly what irritates me, though, about the kind of... The way in which, and I've, I've said about this before, about the way in which Spurs are held up for this extreme level of critique whenever we seem to be doing 
all right or not, as the case may be. Yet teams like City seem to escape from this additional level of pressure. Because I would say that, to be honest, City are performing well now that Kevin De Bruyne is suddenly becoming Kevin De Bruyne again. That he's whatever, you know, he's he's up to speed, he's kind of back at full fitness and he's purring, thus City are purring. But it's, it's never pigeoned as Man City are overly reliant on Kevin De Bruyne. Um, mm. But to me, it still kind of feels that like they are maybe him having a downturn or an injury or whatever. And we know, you know, he's getting on. We know his body isn't what it used to be. He's had a few serious injuries yeah. as well. I, for what it's worth, I'm not going to be a, trying to be a contrarian. I think City are going to win the league as well. I, do, I think they will. Or Liverpool. I still think, yeah, we can't. No, I think Liverpool, Liverpool are cooked. I think Liverpool are mm. done. And I think there's something deeper going on there. I think um, well, there's something with the forward three, isn't there? They've sort of... They've, I think the egos have finally come to a point where they're sort of there isn't I that think healthy it's ego singular. I think them. if they get rid of Salah, they're fine. Yeah, maybe that's true. And if they get someone better than Firmino, just saying. Yeah, just well, saying. I, I'm, I am slightly worried about this Mbappe thing, as I've told you previously. Yeah, it's it's not as ridiculous as it maybe was a couple of years ago. Now, is it? The only thing it does make it ridiculous is the money that it would take. I'm not sure. Well, if they manage to sell Salah somewhere for hundred million and, and what have you, and FSG aren't short of a penny, they've got the old Nike thing. Nike will chip in a few bits if they think they're going to get some shirt sales and all that sort no, of shit. Let's, so. uh, let's not live in a world. Let's not just. Let's not even imagine a world where Liverpool have Mbappe. Although we've seen them win the league and Champions, they we've seen them literally beat us in a Champions League final. It doesn't really sting that much anymore. The thought of you. I mean, it did take fucking eighteen months yeah, for it not I to know, sting Jack. I, I don't fancy doing that again. No. You bring it up like it was like two minutes. All oh, the beat us in Champions League. It was all right. It, I literally was heartbroken for eighteen of months. Of course, we couldn't podcast, what? and I stopped watching Tottenham <laughs> actively after that for a long time. What I mean by <laughs> that is that we've seen Liverpool do it all now. So the thought of like, oh, Liverpool might win yeah. the league if they get Mbappe. Is I like, think it was quite. I think it was a lot easier the fact that we're in lockdown and we're in the middle of like an international crisis at the time kind of softened the blow of that. Yeah, and the fact that we knew their fans as for whatever they wanted to say knew it wasn't quite the same. No, 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 and it was it was a piss take as well. The fact that the season had been paused, the fucking the rules all changed, all that sort of shit. It, it's they suddenly had more subs and all this sort of shit. It, it was a bit of a asterisk season, and that is you know one of those things that that did soften the blow. I remember like. Before Kirby and everything, me and you were always texting about the darkest timeline of Liverpool winning the league and Leeds coming up, and it fucking <laughs> happened. But it, but it wasn't as bad. All, all wrapped up with the nice, neat bow of a pandemic as well. Yeah, Potts uh... leaving, all that sort of shit. It, it was awful. Kane were injured at that point. His ankles had gone. By the way, every time anyone goes anywhere near Harry Kane and he goes down and clutches his ankles, I'm like, are you trying to get a yellow card or is your ankle actually gone? Don't, I know, don't. Because my arsehole flaps like the fucking wind every single time he goes <laughs> down and I hate it. It's horrible, isn't it? Yeah. Um, speaking of this, that's a nice little segue you've provided me with there, mate. Because uh, after the game yesterday, Harry Kane said to the press that it wasn't Jose Mourinho's instruction for us to sit back that he thinks it's more a player mentality issue. Um, now, as opposed to like second guessing what Kane meant by that, or you know if there is any truth to it, just overall, how much have you blamed Mourinho for the past few weeks for what's been going on? Are you because I know you are, you know, as we sort of joked about a shy Mourinho file. Um, 
but as he as he started to wind you up because he has started to wind me up a bit just a little bit like actually quite a lot to be honest after after wolves i was fucking fuming and after <laughs> what was the other one what was the other fucking horrible one when we just had can't even um, remember now. It's Fulham. F- Fulham. Oh, I was fucking fuming after Fulham as well. I mm. really was. Like, it, it it really wound me up. It, it wound me up in the sense that not so much that he it's was... It's just how inevitable it is as well. Yeah, and it's... I don't know. It just... Things like the... I, I think where, where I stand on it, like, in terms of, like, my thing with Mourinho is I'm... Overall, I'm happy when Tottenham are winning games, right? It's it's mm-hmm. it's as simple as that. The world is a better place when Tottenham are winning. It's mm-hmm. it it just is. It's nice, and I'm not gonna go over the carcass of a victory and saying, "Well, we won," but it's like, no. I mean, at the end of the day, we won, and it's good, and I'm happy with that, and I'm gonna let people enjoy that. Where it does start to irritate me though is if we are sacrificing some of. And again, I don't buy too much into the idea of the right way of playing football and all that type of shit. But still, mm-hmm. fairly kind of, let's just say, boring football at times when it's not, should we say, Man City at home when we beat them, when it just clicked and it looked great, or Arsenal at home when it was good, it was exciting, it was engaging, because that was the plan working to perfection. When it doesn't really click like that, we do get games like Brighton at home where it took Bale saving us in the last minute or, you know, West Brom away when it did take Harry Kane sort of scoring at the last minute. Mm-hmm. But still you can take it because you're like, well, we've won and that's that. But when when things are packaged up under the auspices of pragmatism and it feels anything but pragmatic, that's when it starts to piss me off. When you're like, look, right, fair enough, Jose. You, know, you you want them to play in this way. But when you can quite clearly see that you have players who are obviously incapable of implementing what you want them to do, it's no longer pragmatic. It's just being stubborn. And it's just mm-hmm. being ridiculous. And it's, it's just pissing into the wind. You know, and other times when again we don't know exactly what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know what's been said by who, or what promises have been made that have been fallen down, or who's been late to training, who's said what that's not whatever. On the surface of it, when you kind of see things like the treatment of a player like Delhi, who you know he does hold a lot of affection for Spurs fans. He has been an important player for us. We know how spectacular he can be on his day. When you see things like the treatment of Ali, in my opinion, bordering on the, this is just getting a bit personal now, again, I question, well, how pragmatic are you, Mourinho? Because we've needed a player like Ali. I would say the spark that he can provide in quite a few games, a true pragmatist, a true person would shelve their own ego even and say like, right, this kid's fucking me off because he acts like a bit of a whopper in training. He doesn't always listen to me. He undermines me with an Instagram post here and there. But at the same time, he's got fucking magic oh, in his Oh, he's fucking feet. one to talk with his Instagram post. Precisely. You know, he's got magic in his fucking feet. And we need that every now and again. So Against Fulham, we fucking certainly did. Like, If we swap Sissoko for Delhi in that Fulham game, I think we, we win. Exactly. 
you know. And I think that sounds simplistic, but it's the, it's just a difference of intent and mentality, and we just we should hold ourselves differently. And and it's just we seem to be. This might be what Harry Kane's alluding to when he's talking about the players' mentality. They seem to be caught between two different mindsets and two different sets of intent where they can't seem to get over the fact that, okay, we have to be defensively robust now. We have to not make mistakes. We have to not concede. And they kind of think, they kind of over-prioritise that and forget that they're really good at blasting teams away. And and I think this has come from, and it's really annoying that this is the case, but I think it's come from that West Ham game. And that West Ham game seems yeah. to have done far more damage. Obviously, at the time, it was just embarrassment, pure embarrassment. But um, mentally, that seems to have left a hangover and, and some sort of, I don't want to, uh, this is probably problematic to say, but almost like a PTSD, obviously not downplaying people who have PTSD. But um, it has this weird thing where like any time they go 1-0 up or 2-0 up, they kind of start going, oh, we'll remember the West Ham game. And it's like, that's not going to happen every fucking time. Like, we scored an own goal and one of their players scored one of the greatest goals he's ever going to score in his life. He's never going to do it again. And, you know, had the wind been a mile per hour different, it wouldn't have happened then either. Um, had Harry Winks put his fucking boot through the ball, it wouldn't have happened. But it's just one of those things where that seems to have left a, such a lasting impression on them all that they just don't go out for it anymore. Like, the, we, we, we were blasting teams away. We did the Southampton game. We had the Man United game. We... We were sort of there in that we had the balance right. And then we seem to have, the confidence seems to have taken a knock. The mentality seems to have taken a knock. And they seem to be that sort of worried and sort of focused on the things that could go wrong. They're distracted from the things that they're capable of of doing right. And it's just, they need to be able to find some confidence from somewhere. And it's easier said than done. And, And this is literally what the difference between winning a League Cup and not can do, because then they might believe in themselves a bit more and they might actually um, have a bit more up on. But it's just, it's it's, it's really, it's a really difficult thing because there's, there's no shortage of talent in that team. It's actually a well-balanced squad. We actually have depth for once. It's just in terms of having a dual identity in terms of how we play against teams that are in and around us and teams that are worse than us and applying that and it's just that final bit of application that seems to be the problem because everything else actually seems to be in place we had a really good summer window the the main players seem to be happy and wanting to stay and I don't actually think there's any the thing with like Delhi and Mourinho is that that descent seems to have been wider at previous clubs it never just Obviously, he's had players that he's picked on more than others, Pogba at Man United and all that sort of shit. But if you listen to other players who were at the team at the same time, nobody really liked him. Whereas I think like players like Hugo Lloris and uh, Harry Kane or whatever genuinely fucking like playing for him and kind of seem to have bought into it because Lloris has never been better for us than he is now. And it, maybe when he first joined... and. Uh, that could have just been because it was a breath of fresh air. He was younger and we'd just been watching Brad Friedel's Zimmer frame around his goal. But, you know, there clearly is some good and some method to what Mourinho is doing. It just needs to mesh. And they just he needs to let them play a bit more. But the other thing is, you know, I always refer back to these weird documentaries he does and stuff because he, the man's constantly talking about himself and constantly... <laughs> 
promoting his own brand, but a lot of what he seems to profess and seems to want the players to do is he, he kind of puts them in a position and in a in a place where they can perform and he almost takes them 90% of the way there and that last 10% of the way, he's like, you're a professional footballer, you're very good at what you do, go and do it, yeah. have the right instinct, make the right play, do the right thing and it's not as if he's going to spoon feed them that and he seems to get really annoyed and seems to want to give them enough rope to hang themselves with rather than hold their hand. And I don't necessarily disagree with that because it would, the opposite of that is, you know, when you have sort of, we've had it before. We had ADB who was like a, a, a Poundland Mourinho. He was a hundred percent trying to hold a hand and it just turned into turgid shite because he didn't have that trust in them to, to do it all, them to to do that last ten percent themselves. He wanted to dictate where the pass was going, where it was going here, you know, and it just ended up getting passed around in fucking circles and sort of like Arteta football, where he's yeah. sort of, you know, so bought into the Guardiola way of playing. He doesn't do that last bit that Pep does, and it's the it's it's too simplistic to simply blame Mourinho, but he is obviously not without blame, and it is. It is, it's not fair to entirely blame the players either. It's a blend of the two. And we still have to remember that the manager hasn't been here. That This is still his first full season. And it's not as if it's been normal since he arrived. You know, he was there, what, two, three months before a pandemic hit. Then he didn't get to see the players for three months. And then we played that weird thing. And our training's been weird. And we've. the other thing is, and this is one of the reasons why I think we're conceding so late in games as well as I think we've all forgotten how much football we've already fucking played this season. I think we've played 10, 15 games more than most of the most teams. teams. Yeah, yeah. We were playing three games a, a week to start the season for a good month. Like There was a point where like our lass was getting really annoyed at the fact that we'd just moved in together because every other day she was like, Tottenham fucking playing again? Like I, <laughs> I didn't think this was a thing. And I was like, no, it's it's a bit weird at the minute. But yeah, we, we are playing again for the third time this week. But that all of that is sort of bought into the fact that maybe if had we had a full preseason, maybe he had a bit more time on the training field, a bit more time between games, this would be different. But it's all buying into the weirdness of it, and I, I don't think I'm not ready to hate Mourinho. Although there are times, like you say, the the Deli Alley treatment, especially, is fucking weird, especially from the fact that it seems to be harming the team now because. Even if you don't like the block, just fucking play him against Fulham because he'll take the piss out of them the same way he did against Marine, the same way he's been doing in the Europa League. Yes, I understand he was, he did go through a, a real shit patch in form and, and was actively bad for a little while, but he, he doesn't appear that way in the few times he actually gets to play. He actually seems to be enjoying his football again, wanting to show how, how good he is. And and that's the point at which we're kind of like, okay, you, you've done your sort of knocking down of him now. Let the kid build himself back up. And he just seems to be intent on kicking him back down. It's like, we we just need to get the right balance and, and pick our battles. And it's just that. The most frustrating thing is the fact that we are so close, but yet so far. And it's a, a very Tottenham predicament to be in, but we need to fucking sort it out. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it really, isn't it? Because, I, I don't know, it, it does look like Ali's probably going to end up at PSG, right, before January's done, whether it's permanently or on loan. But I think Daniel Levy's reticent to let him go, and I think that's because he knows how important he is to the club. He probably likes him as a as a lad as well, because we see, saw from that documentary he's fairly hands-on. He doesn't seem... This is the thing that's irritating about Daniel Ali. He might, all right, he might come across a bit childish. You see sort of hints of that when he's kind of talking about what's your favourite chocolate bar and stuff and you're kind of like... He's made beans for the first time. Yeah, you know, come on, mate. You're in your mid-twenties now, like. But I, I get these guys live in a, in a bit of a bubble and whatever. I'm not going to hold him against that. But he doesn't... We all live in bubbles nowadays, Jeff. We, but yeah, he, he doesn't seem like a bad guy, does he? No, you not know? at all. He couldn't hurt a fly. You know, and I, it, this sort of thing is just like, and uh, you know, whatever people can say, whatever they want, they can. He, yeah, he's had a bit of a downturn, but again, at the same time, you know, people are so they're so quick to just jump on this idea. Oh, if you don't realise he's been shit for two years, you're deluded, and you're. It's like, but well, no, because I mean, what what are we going to count then in those two years, like? He was one of the most understated yet important factors in that fucking Ajax victory. Mm-hmm. Deli Ali was absolutely fucking unbelievable in that second half. Absolutely, and obviously Lucas gets all the plaudits, and I'm not taking anything away from Lucas for that. But Deli Ali was fucking magnificent in that game. Absolutely yep. fucking magnificent. And this is again in a period where we're saying he's been absolutely shit, or as a lot of people would say so. So to me, it's like if that's if that's the bottom of the barrel for him, you know, then we all know what he's capable of. We've seen it in flashes when he's happy, when he's up for it. Mourinho's first game against West Ham, he was fucking unplayable. He was mm-hmm. absolutely unplayable, you know. And I was sort of trying to, you know, talk about it earlier with Ndombele. Like I don't, again, I, I don't really buy this idea that they would be completely incompatible and that. There is no place that there's this uh, there's this other kind of side narrative that football has moved past a player like that. That's bollocks. Like mm-hmm. the kid's in his early twenties still. He's a fucking talented footballer who has always been uh, a kind of a, a a key player within a fluid attacking system. And this idea that we can't appropriate his talents into a system now. 
well, that's that's not it. That genuinely is not acceptable for me. That's letting no. that's letting not only the players around him off the hook. That's not only letting the player himself off the hook. That's letting the manager, the squad, the every, everybody involved with football. If you're telling me you cannot fit a player like Deli Ali with the skill set that he has into this system or into the modern style of counter-attacking, contained football. It's, it's hogswash. It's absolute bollocks to me. Like it's just, it's just, it's 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 this kind of over-intellectualization, which is yeah. ironic because I can't even fucking say the word of football to a degree where you're just going to deny the Occam's razor truth of it all is that fucking good players are worth having in your team, and Deli Ali is one of those. Like, yeah, one of the things that I sort of bought into was the fact that um, one of the rubbing points for Mourinho and Delhi, because like he's touched on quite rightly, he was probably the best player under Mourinho for his first month or two at the club. He is the, is the fact that he does play off the cuff and he, he wants to do little flicks and he wants to do first-time passes and he wants to, you know, um, you know, Try and tell the turn the ball around corners and stuff, and not take an extra time to to stop and play the right pass and stuff. He will he he'll take risks, and I thought that was sort of and and while Tangy wasn't playing, it sort of that made sense in that okay, Mourinho doesn't want a player who will possibly turn the ball over and put us under pressure. Where, but if you watch Tangy now, that's what his game is, and he's one of our best players. And if Mourinho hated that so much, Tangy wouldn't be the centre of his team the way he is, and he wouldn't constantly be playing and starting matches the way he is. So it's clearly not that much of a rubbing point that he can't get over it. The the main issue for Tangy was his fitness and his application, and he's got over that. And if it's if it is a mentality issue, if it is more to do with the fact that Mourinho, as a failed footballer, is annoyed that. Deli Ali doesn't want to train hard, he just wants to turn up on the day and, and kick a ball about because he's good enough to get away with doing that. Then maybe he needs to get away, get over himself a little bit at the same time because Deli Ali doesn't... You know, as a professional footballer, he should train hard and he should have the right mentality and everything, but there are some players you just let get away with it. Like, if you ever hear, like... Um, Alex Ferguson talk about um, Cantona and stuff, like... 90% of the players he would like man manage and shout at and you know you're not doing this right you're not doing that right you're five minutes later training here's your fine all that Eric would get away with murder because he knew when it came Saturday Sunday he'd fucking perform like if he didn't run in training he didn't give a flying fuck because he'd still be the best player on the park at the weekend and there are some players you just let get away with it like I imagine Dimitar Berbatov when he was at the club probably wasn't the world's greatest trainer in fact we know he was having fags out <laughs> exactly Probably having a but fucking he was, fag, like, fag hanging out his mouth while he was training. Do you know exactly. I mean? But there's some players that are just good enough. You let get away with it. And he just seems to be so sort of intent on having everyone be almost regimented army style that he he doesn't... It's probably an element of control freak in there where if they haven't bought in 100%, if they've only bought in 70, 80, he's going to try and squeeze that, you know, Stockholm Syndrome 100 out of him. And it, it don't work with everyone. Everyone ain't the same. So, And it seems like a, a silly thing to lose such a good talent over. I think this is just what... This has always been my kind of dark cloud of him. That It just irritates... It's just the hypocrisy of the man. It, it irritates me. 
you sort of touched on it there. You know, it's all well and good for him to have this banter Instagram presence and everything like that. But you can imagine he would be the first to be like, why is Deli Ali posting sulky pictures on there? Or, you know, why am I, why is anyone else showing any sort of presence of a personality yet his whole thing is a cult of personality and i don't know this is this is kind of where you need probably the chairman his boss essentially to probably have a bit more backbone and we don't know we don't i think know it is Levy. i think it i yeah, think it maybe is, is maybe uh, is yeah it's true i think had Mourinho had his way i think um delhi would be gone by now. that's true that's true i mean daniel levy you know i i, I know people were talking about him being totally in awe of Mourinho and and I imagine he is to a degree but at the same time I think if there's anything we know about Daniel Levy now love him or loathe him he's a very very smart man and I think he he is a lot more attuned to what is going on than people probably myself included give him credit for a lot of the time and I I don't think he will be going into a situation like this thing. Oh, he's got a know. spreadsheet ahead of him that yeah. tells him how many Deli Ali shirts that have been sold in that yeah. club shop and he's like I'm not fucking telling this to PSG like every kid that comes to Tottenham wants a Deli Ali shirt. But 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 also I would say on a on a on a on a deeper level than that I think there will always be a side of Daniel Levy that's like this is Jose Mourinho do we want to let a 24-year-old Deli Ali who still has levels to go up potentially go mm-hmm. instead of a man who I might be sacking a year down the line. True. You know? Um, and the, the other thing of it as well is um, I think there is an element of Daniel Levy kind of being in awe of having somebody of the profile of Mourinho at the club. But the other thing we know about him is the thing that will make his boner even raging harder than having Mourinho by his side is fucking locking horns with him and being the alpha over him. Because if he can go lock horns with Mourinho and go, actually, no, that player that you want to sell, we're keeping, and you're going to have to fucking like it because I'm the chairman here and you're the manager, he'll, he he kind of gives off the impression that he would get a rush out of uh, yeah. uh, you know stamping his authority and making himself known a bit more, which is um, I don't disagree with because I actually agree with, uh, with that decision-making because everything that comes out in the press, and they've clearly been briefed to some extent, is... You know, Ali is tempted to go. PSG want him, especially they want him even more now that Poch is there. Uh, but Tottenham and Levy, especially, and it's not often that Levy's named directly in the press. Uh, Levy, especially, don't want him to go, and I think it's, um, I think that's probably the truth of the matter. Yeah, long live, long live Deli Ali. Um, it'd be quite nice to see him perhaps get that loan. Whilst this is all as toxic as it is. Get that loan to PSG, no option to buy, nothing like that, and just let Poch put an arm around him again and just let him whatever, you know, win the league. The but, only um the only risk with that obviously is that he goes He doesn't there. want to come back. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't want to fucking come back because you can imagine Par- living in Paris for a year with a manager that loves you and then being mates with Neymar and all them and back players back, and, yeah. uh, fucking living the Parisian lifestyle. Be pretty I sick, wouldn't it, to be fair. Actually fucking let him go, let him do it. Yeah, yeah life's, I mean, life's a living. Life's a living, yeah. Del Boy. Can you imagine being a millionaire 24-year-old in Paris? Oh. Fucking hell, mate. Didn't, like, you know, imagine being a skint-ass 35-year-old living in Paris, to be no, fair. I'd still like, fucking I'd do it, it, yeah. yeah the, um, I mean, so. What do you call it? The um, 
I can't remember which player it was now, but it was it Munier who was at um, Paris, and he just went, I've never been to so many birthday parties in my life. That's all there was <laughs> at Paris. It was everyone's fucking birthday parties every week, and everyone's going to mansions and renting out this, and there's all these women here and all this, uh, all these parties and drinks. And he's like, I thought it was supposed to be like a professional sporting environment, but all they do is fucking go out and get levered together. And I'm like, that sounds fucking shit, mate. Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. Oh, dear. All right, so... I guess just to to kind of see us out, we got Liverpool up next. We did sort. Do we not of... have Wickham in the cup first? Yeah, but come on, we're going to beat them, aren't we? Let's be oh, honest. Hopefully, is it is it is it home or is it their place? Uh, I believe it's at home. Um, there's been sort of like you know, I think the narrative generally tends to be this is the game we play against Akinfenwa, and he'll you know whatever do his beast mode stuff. Um, that is his own catchphrase. I'm not. I'm not appropriating that yeah, onto him. Yeah, merch with it on. Um, so, but I mean, I'd I'd anticipate that we'll beat them. We'll take it seriously. You know, let's be honest. I mean, that's the one glaring difference between Pochettino and uh, Mourinho is how differently they take the seriousness of, uh, of of League Cup and just cup games in general. Yeah, and I I still always got it with Pochettino. I understood his thing, and I I sort of think you know, in this instance, like I, it will be great if we win the League Cup or if we win the FA Cup. But it still ain't going to keep Kane and Son at the club if we're not. No, but in on the flip side, the league. I think mentally now we're in the final. Well, yeah, of we have to win it. Of course, because I think it's going to do it's so much more damage to fucking lose it again. Yeah, if we yeah, lose yeah. it, then you know, not changed. I'm, I'm not denying that for a second, but what I'm saying is, it's not a case that we win an FA Cup or a League Cup and it's job done. We've no. still got to be. I think FA Cup. I think. League. I think FA Cup is a lot more significant and a lot bigger is, in achievement. But um, it's still, especially given that there's what two or three generations of Spurs fans that haven't ever seen that. We've still got to win. We still got to set our sights on winning the Premier League. We just have to. We're, oh, massively! We, yeah, we're yeah, sat in there. A... I, I, I don't. It's one of these things people say. Oh, you're deluded. But we're not. We're sitting in a stadium that cost a billion pounds. Like we are a global franchise now. Of course, we have to set our sights on winning the league. I don't. I don't buy the naysaying on on that being the aspiration. It, it absolutely is what we have to be aiming for. It just yeah, has when to you've be. got one of the best two strikers in the world and probably the the manager with the biggest profile and probably the most successful manager in in modern football, uh, but it's out of him and Pep in it. Um, then yeah, you you sort of you you starting to talk or talk. You've got to end up fucking walking yeah. it at some point. Otherwise, you you never are. No, um, and I mean Liverpool is. Again, I sort of it's, it makes you sound so tin pop, but I'm going to say it. It is a cup final in the respect that I think that club in particular is such a big psychological fuckery of a hurdle for us. They just seem to be ever since we dicked them in that you know in the was it four one in the end or four nil at Wembley can't remember, but Klopp's first or second season when we absolutely battered him. Oh, um, when, um, when Kane made uh, Love and Cry. Yeah, he just absolutely took the piss. Um, and in the same way, like how we, I think we almost became a bit of a face on a dartboard for them after that game. And Klopp's as good as said that as well. 
I kind of feel like that. You know, they're that for us now. Champions League, obviously, is the one that stands out, but it probably shouldn't. Liverpool were by far the best team in Europe that year, and the fact we, you know, only lost two nil after a fucking horrendous penalty that went against us in the opening seconds. I don't and we only conceded a second because we were overcompensating. Yeah, you know, it, it, a lot of us probably went into that game thinking we're going to get slapped 5 nil in front of the eyes of the world and have a load of jolly scousers patting us on the head having a good laugh at us. But they didn't. They knew they were in a game. And well, oh, fuck it. I don't want to revisit that one too much. Whatever it is, we've, they've beaten us six times consecutively now in all competitions. Might be seven now after the one in December. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I just feel that like we 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 just we have to beat them. We have to this time beat them. Like to to if, if, I'm saying we have to if we want to be in contention for the title this season. Maybe even under. Maybe maybe even no. I'm not going to say I, 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 this season. Like if we if we want to win a league this season, I think we've got to. And I think it's going to help us in terms of like maybe even propelling us forwards to winning something like the League Cup because that's going to be a tricky fixture. That's all of a sudden a... Uh, I don't really see us beating City in the final. At the moment, anyway, that's kind of how I feel about it. I've almost written it off already, um, even though anything can happen in a Cup final. Um, but I think Liverpool are there for the taking again. It sounds silly to say, but I do think they are. They haven't really got a proper back line We've got, you know, still probably the best attack in the league at the moment um, in Kane and Son when they're on when they're on song. Um, and Son has been off the uh, off the boil for a couple of games, but I think he just might be knackered, bottom. Yeah, you know, and it's we know he'll pick up again as exactly soon as he gets one. a Son, isn't it? You know, he does that, and now even Dombele kind of going up, going up a few gears. We're gonna have had a bit of a rest. Uh, in the league, at least, and we need Lascelles back as well. Yeah, um, I've, I think it's there for the taking. And I, I do you have really... any um, as a last? I know you're wrapping up, but as a last question, sorry. Yeah. Do you have any bail concerns? No, I don't. Mate. I mean, well, I mean, there was that weird thing, wasn't there, when you Spurs did a Spurs and they released. I don't know if you've seen it. They released some training ground footage where you can hear Mourinho giving him a pre, a sort of passag bollocking you'd assume it's bail anyway um i don't know if you've seen that or not no i haven't what's he saying uh well it's kind of you know they they release that vanilla content when it's just the players dribbling around cones and stuff like that but in one of the clips you can hear Mourinho saying to again you would assume bail because it's out of shot um do you want to do this or do you want to go back to madrid where you're not going to have a chance of playing any football it's something yeah. to that effect. How's that fucking been sanctioned? It's to awful. It's sort of, and I mean, people are saying like, "Oh, you know, you don't need." No, from a from a, from a professional point of view, that's, that's so dreadful. Slack. It's dreadful. It's it's you've got to have quality assurance on stuff like that when you're putting out like sensitive material. And the fact that people are saying like, "Oh, you know, it was probably just banter." Spurs have removed that video from all of their channels now. Which ultimately makes that, it looks terrible anyway. You know? There's some shit that just stays behind closed doors, and he, he, he might not even be saying that as a 
as to have a fucking goalie. That could be his. Um, that's him motivating him. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those things that shouldn't be public, especially without context. No, and I, I don't. The thing is, I don't think the intention was to put that out. It's just a sloppy job from the editor who oh, hasn't yeah, yeah, listened yeah. in properly. But well, the um, I, but the I don't think I, is the the admin does a decent enough job these days. Yeah, but I mean these things. It's huge teams. It's yeah, uh, yeah. who knows. But do I have bail concerns? No, I don't really. I mean, I've seen you know p- people saying that this is an absolute disaster it's a travesty he's tarnishing his legacies again it's like let's again let's not let's not react to something halfway through a season there's a lot of big games to go we all people seem to have forgotten already i mean a lot of the talk before we signed bale people were like we know he's not going to be physically the same gareth bale but Further down the line in the season, when we do get to big games, cup finals, so on and so forth, this is where you're hoping Gareth Bale's going to pop in. And, you know, and we're still at that point, we're still coming towards the clutch end of the season now, where, you know, if, if, why can't we base this on the face of value that we've seen that physically he's not there yet, but we knew it was going to take time. He's not played properly for two years. He's older than he was, obviously. Mm-hmm. So he's still getting up to speed. He's still getting to a place physically where we feel that we can rely on him more. But what we've already seen is he's scored. He's made the difference against Brighton, which is a game we probably would have drawn more than one otherwise. And it'd have been in this whole lineage of 1-1 games that we should have won. Well, He's made the difference in that one. He scored against Stoke, which has ultimately taken us through to a cup final now. Um, so I would argue, and just for the fucking for the morale boost alone, those days in summer when it's been it's been a, a lockdown that's been fucking miserable. That day, everybody everybody was buzzing. It's the most alive I've seen the Tottenham fan base honestly since the run up to the Champions League final. Oh, it was amazing, and it, it was it was worth that alone I don't think everything needs to just be boiled down to he hasn't gotten enough minutes or his pass completion hasn't been good or he hasn't scored enough screamers yet just fucking let's just see it for oh, I wish it that is. free kick had gone top then yeah. that one in the uh... but I wish he'd scored against West Ham but he didn't but we're half oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about yeah. that we're halfway through a season there's plenty of time to go so I let's... wish you hadn't brought that up yeah. to be honest well you know yeah <laughs> It's I I don't know. Do you have concerns? Because I'm, I'm to me, it's just like I'm happy having him here, and I'm happy yeah. with what he's done so far. And no, I don't. It's just that I, I kind of I think for a large portion of the the start of the season pre Christmas, he sort of he was getting a free run of it, and I think now because he's he's only played four Premier League games and stuff, or appeared in four, I think the the sort of the whispers are start starting now. And uh, I just didn't know which side of the whispers you were on, that was all. No, I mean, like I say, for Brighton, Stoke, and just the fucking buzz of bringing him back this summer alone, it's it's been worth it. And, you know, <laughs> even just seeing a picture of him putting an armband on Ledley King fucking mel- oh, yeah, melted yeah, yeah. me, mate. Like, you know? Massively. Yeah, that's... Uh, I, I just... That made me so happy when you sent me that. I genuinely had a, a real warmth in my heart after I'd seen that. You know, like I don't. Think we we should probably do uh, some other point, more of a pod, more of a look at Ledley and being back in the team because mm-hmm. I just love it every, every time. Like I, I fucking like 
I love Harry Kane. Like, I really do. Like, and he probably, I would say now, yeah, there is Modric. Yeah, there's Bale. There's King, who's definitely up there. I, I still think now probably Kane is the best player I've ever seen in a Tottenham shirt in my lifetime. On I think it's without question now. He's he's literally going to yeah. be the greatest goal scorer in the history of the club. But uh, it's still Ledley for me, man. Like, Ledley growing up was just... He was just such a shining light in what was a truly for for any like for any sort of younger listeners if we do have any younger listeners i doubt we do have that many young listeners really but if we do if you if you kind of think that like seasons like this are miserable (laughs) a few years back like it was seeing if you imagine how good liverpool are now but that being arsenal and them Winning a season unbeaten, them literally not just that, but them doing that, yeah. having signed our captain on a free, exactly winning, out of the blue, winning the double with him, like winning the league at our ground. It was fucking miserable being a Tottenham fan. It was really fucking miserable. And Ledley King was just that. He was that one beacon of just hope and just. There was this. It was almost like a, a real life meme in the respect that, like, I always remember getting to games, being in the pub beforehand, and just in conversations around when it was getting to the team sheet being announced, everybody just saying, "Is Ledley playing?" That's that. Mm-hmm. That would just be it. Is is King playing? Is King playing today? Mm-hmm. And there would just be this collective sigh of relief of like, maybe it won't be totally shit today then. And it's, it's just really performances, hard to, like, to, to really, to just like, really kind of put into words like just how big a thing he was yeah. for me anyway, and but just for Spurs in yeah. that period. Like there were some performances that that just shouldn't have been allowed as well. Just when he was at the very worst of his injury, there was one performance against Luis Suarez when he was at his best. Probably the, the comfortably the best player in the league, scoring goals for fun, hat tricks every week, sort of a thing. And he came back. He probably hadn't played for six months. One leg, literally one leg, the other one barely functioning, and he just pocketed him. Absolutely. And Luis Suarez didn't even. He made no impression on the game whatsoever. Suarez was and, fuming, wasn't he? Oh yeah, especially with a black lad doing it to him. He <laughs> fucking he weren't happy at all. But they just took it in his stride, and then he probably didn't play for six months again after that. But he, he was a amazing i think the to try and put it into like a i was thinking then when you were saying like for young kids or anyone who wasn't aware of what it was like back then i was kind of thinking like is there anyone at a mediocre team or like a bad team that is such a shine like and the only one i can really think of is can you imagine like jack grealish at villa but he's your center back yeah <laughs> like he's yeah he's your captain your local lad your focal point playing for england but not just that, but Jack Grealish has got one knee as your centre-back and um, the guy who was supposed to be Jack Grealish went to Birmingham on a free and they won the double beforehand, like, that sort of a thing. Like, it is, it's just a perfect storm for Ledley and it was sort of, it's such a bittersweet career he had for us and it's such a nice thing to see him. Just, I, I get happy now when like the, pan, the camera pans to Mourinho as it does once every hundred times when they game, but you see Ledley's little face on the bench. I'm like, oh, there he is. He's he's back where he belongs. He's you know he's yeah. got a got the badge on and everything. And we 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 
I think I don't know if we ever said this publicly, but privately, I think we were both kind of a little bit depressed when he was ambassador for us. Sorry, because oh, he's opening just, the Sainsbury's. Great. Well, this is the thing: we wheeled him out to send him to primary schools and up and shops and stuff like that, and you know, do these vanilla interviews. And it was like, oh, this is you know, what has become of this man? And now, now he's actually a a functioning and and you know, credible part of our first team operations. It's like, oh yeah, this is this is where I want to be, and I, I will be one of those. Gammons in you know a few years time when you know Mourinho and probably the guy after him goes if if Ledley's still in the picture like uh, Solskjaer at Man United I'll be like give it give it Ledley till the end of the season yeah. <laughs> fucking I want to see that when I'm you know I'm almost I'll be thirty in a year and a bit year and a half once I've passed that threshold I'll be fully on the bandwagon of uh, try to relive my youth so yeah give it Ledley for a few months and uh, we want to see that I cried at his testimonial when he went off. Lady mm. things. It was, uh, yeah, I did. Literally, the fact that he could barely play for his, his testimony. Yeah. Because yeah. it was, you could see how overwhelmed he was. Oh, fuck, man. I love a guy. Like, yeah, and it I is like you say, that. every time you just see him on the bench there. And it's it's the fact that it's also, it's not just like this jolly kind of like he's there having a laugh. And he's, you, know, you can see he's, he's taking it fucking seriously. He's up there barking orders at him. He's yeah, always, oh, yeah, yeah. he's always got his like, it's not a, we, we said this before. Notes. He's, you know, we said it before though. It's not a Mourinho is not the type of person to make a tokenistic appointment. He is not having somebody sat on his bench and in his inner circle, um, in his coaching circle that isn't bringing him something. He, he's not the type of man to, to want to have like a, you know, just for a bit of fucking boost with the fan base. He doesn't give a fuck. If he thought that Sol Campbell was going to be a good assistant, he would hire him. But Ledley's there and he's, he's yeah, it's, it's lovely to see him. And uh, you've you've had the pleasure of meeting him. I, I'm not. Uh, but it is one thing that I would, uh, I'd love to do at some point is, um, is shake his hand. Yeah. Let's, let's leave it there. So if you have in, if you have enjoyed listening to the podcast, just just go back and listen to all of them. Just get just get our numbers up. Do you know what I mean? That's <laughs> it. Like like subscribe, whatever. Um, also, if you haven't watched my Spurs White video yet, do it because um, my ego can't take people not doing. It's very so. very good. It is worth an hour yeah. of your time. Yeah, it is. And what 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 else have you fucking got to do at the minute? Exactly. Exactly, because um, I certainly don't have anything to do now. I'm not doing that anymore, so, you know. Um, anyway, thank you for listening. Um, let's hope we beat Wickham and then smash the ball. We'll probably, we might even do another one before that, so who knows. We'll see, we'll see. Thanks. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.